Hey friends, we talk a lot about God as Father. We call Him Father. We say Our Father. We do all those things. But when is the last time that you really uh, experienced God as Father and it was a life-changing experience? That's what we're talking about today. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 302, Sam Feeney and Experiencing God as Father. Let's go. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience, and I am so glad that you're here. Thank you for downloading this episode. As always, I have no doubt it is going to be a highlight of your day, maybe your week, quite possibly your month. I know you're going to enjoy it either way. If you do and when you do, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and uh, just hit that share button. Whatever app you're using, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, that's the one I use. Hit share and just say, uh, send it to a friend, send it or post it on social, tag me. That'd be great. I would love that. It's the highest compliment you can give us. And of course, if you're interested in helping the show run, go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and you can always uh, hit that Patreon button and help support the show as well. All right, friends, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I know that we are going to have a, a great conversation about what God's done in our guest's life. Uh, he is a fellow podcaster and author, a strategist, coach, and uh, and is also a husband and father of five. And we've been hanging out a little bit. Uh, our guest is Sam Feeney. Sam, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks, Eric. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I am glad to have you. So uh, that's, you know, those are kind of a few things about you, you know, there's just some personal, some, some professional, but fill in the gaps. Give us a little bit more about who Sam Feeney is. It's easy to give the labels part, right? The, the author, strategist, uh, coach, dad, so on. It, it, have you ever seen anger management with, yeah, with a long uh, time Jack ago. Nicholson and, and Adam Sandler and, and Jack Nicholson's character asks, well, you know, who are you? And he's well, I'm an ad manager. This, no, 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 that's your job. Who are you? He's like, well, I like, you know, it's like, yep. this is the tough question. Fill in the gaps is <laughs> the tough place to start. So uh, outside of roles and things like that, um, I, I, I'd like to think I'm a guy who is getting uh, clearer on what's important in life uh, as uh, especially in the last probably two years. Um, I, I just had our mutual friend, Tim Winders on uh, my podcast uh, and we talked about his his upcoming book about success redefined, and so I think I'm doing a, mm-hmm. a much better job of defining <laughs> what life's all about uh, in the past few years. Uh, and I, but in particular, uh, being a husband and a dad has helped a ton with that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that has a refining effect, does it not? <laughs> it does. It does. It does. Uh, okay, well, so that's good. Let's get into your some of your story. I like to like to go back. Um, so you're and obviously I know you're in Colorado now, but you didn't start here. So where where did you grow Not, up? I actually started in a seminary. Uh, I was born as my dad was finishing up seminary in Oregon, <laughs> and uh, then we uh, were in California for eight years, and then moved from Southern California to Upstate Pennsylvania, which was a a uh, multi-layered culture shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, popped around there a while, and then um, I got old enough to not keep moving when my parents decided to keep moving, and stuck a, stuck around in uh, suburban Philadelphia for about twenty-five years until uh, about eighteen months ago, and uh, when we moved to suburban Denver. Well, I think we can uh, we can all say it's beautiful in Denver, right? Like it's a good place to be. I have not looked back. <laughs> it's my, my friends are asked from back home, uh, you know, what's the difference between Philadelphia and Denver? And I said, it's, it's the nicest views from a target parking lot you're ever going to see. No, so <laughs> yeah. So it's that, that was, yeah, kind of a wild ride, uh, in particular, uh, cause that move was not planned. Uh, yeah. and so, uh, but I'm very grateful for where we are right now. Well, maybe we'll, we'll hear some of that. So you, you were bounced down a little bit, but it ended up in Pennsylvania and as a Christian family, your dad, 
Was your dad a pastor? Is that why he was, was yeah. pastoring? Yeah, he's still mm-hmm. he's still pastoring, and now that he doesn't do all the administrative work, he actually thinks he's getting good at it. <laughs> <laughs> we always did small churches, and he's running off bulletins, you know, the morning of, and our home printer, and oh, uh, all the stuff that is really just outside of his gifting. And, and enlisting uh, you guys, you're like the kids. Oh to fold, yes, we did a church them. plant yeah. uh, right after I graduated from high school, and uh, I would help him set up the chairs sing in the worship team, run the soundboard during the service, and then help tear down. And so <laughs> when he moved on, I was looking for a church where I didn't have to do anything for a little while just to yeah, get right. filled back up. So, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, okay, sounds like, I mean, it sounds happy, sounds kind of, you know, Christian. This was kind of your kind of your experience, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know about happy and Christian being synonymous since I was a child. Um <laughs> Um, if you get a chance to, whenever it comes out, I got to see Nate, Nate Bargatze, uh, the comedian, um, he just did a show in Denver, uh, end of February and he is a Christian and grew up in a, he's around, right around, I'll say collectively our age. Uh, and he talks about being, uh, a child of Christians in the eighties, <laughs> the, yeah. stri- the strictness and the, I mean, he's like, he describes my life um, in, in hilarious fashion. Um, so my parents both came from very dysfunctional, uh, not even probably really nominally Christian families. And, uh, so I really lucked out on the fact that they were Christian at all or, and not alcoholic or drug abusing. Uh, but they did not necessarily get a great playbook on parenting. And, uh, my dad famously says, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, I, I can't remember if he said we, we got three cards in a five card game and we tried to give you five, I mean, some sort of like, we knew we weren't operating in our strengths. Like, so he was yeah. an atheist art teacher who got saved, met my mom, went to seminary. And so, uh, it was a lot of, you know, him, him trying to figure out things and, and her as well. And so, uh, and then he and I being very similar, uh, led to a, a ton of rebellion and knocking heads <laughs> from about age 13 on. So, yeah, uh, it, which complicates things dramatically when, when uh, in terms of my faith and just saying like for a long time, I, re- I resisted faith because that might, might mean my dad was right. And I was not, I was not about to, <laughs> to admit that. <laughs> so uh, that took a while uh, just in that regard, but um, I'll say now things are infinitely better, which is really uh, a good thing. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the growing up part was, it was combative, let's say, uh, largely I contributed to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're a teenager. That's, that's how it goes. But so <laughs> tell, tell me about, uh, kind of how your faith then became your own and how that became your, your choice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember pretty vividly. It was sometime somewhere around 17. I would, I would say it was probably a senior in high school. And I just had to decide whether or not I was going to make my faith my own. And, um, it wasn't something that, uh, I, I wasn't prompted, you know, other than the Holy spirit probably, but to, to have that kind of thought experiment, but it was just the, you know, this is a big enough deal where I can figure out my junk with my dad later. This is something I need to sort out with God. And so I was glad I did that when I did it as well, because um, it, I just heard a guy talk this morning um, at, a, at a breakfast I went to, he talked about a moment and, but then the moment didn't make everything different. It was just the moment that began the journey. <laughs> and so right. I think that, that probably describes about a 10 year journey of uh, you know, really kind of solidifying where God belonged in my life, you know? And, and, uh, so, but I, I think the one was, was deciding that it was my faith and my, you know, my decision and not didn't really have anything to do with my dad. Uh, that was important. Yeah. Well, so those are the stories I like to hear. Like there's, so if it's a 10 year journey, there's lots of little touchstones there, right. Or like yeah. in the stream, you have to step, on the rocks to get across the stream. So what were some of those moments for you? Well, I, there were, 
it, it was weird. So I, I think a lot of it, and I, I, I still have a, a, a fair amount of interest and even some employment, you know, some employment in the college planning world, um, mm. some projects I work on, I think largely because I'm just, it's, it was such a, an important part of my life and not one that I got right. <laughs> so it's <laughs> why I say I was grateful at 17 to have kind of make that decision of, of separation, uh, you know, and, and more or less ownership of my faith was because then the way I lived in college was a complete train wreck, uh, but not in the summers. Like I would go to college, be a drunken idiot, you know, but then I would come home and I would hang out with people. I would meet certain groups of people. I would, I would, I would really get like connected to God. And then just really, I remember particularly before my senior year, I was like, I thought like, I know I'm going back into this pit that I've created for myself. I, that I, it's just going to be nine more months of a joke. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think about this, I, this concept, I don't know if I read about it or just thought of it, but I, I think I call it the existential bell curve. And I think about when we're early in life and late in life, there are times we get back to what really, really matters. So, mm -hmm. you know, obviously when it, you're a kid, it's like hanging out with mom and dad and eating food. Like <laughs> It's like the basics. And then if you read a book like Bronnie wears the top five regrets of the dying, you see at the end, again, who gives a rip about getting promoted or whatever. It's about relationships and, you know, being good with yourself. But I think there are certain points uh, when we get these kind of wake up calls um, in our journeys and we get back to like, you know, what really matters, we drift less. And so I would have these kind of these spiritual times. I remember there was two years after college, I was living on my own in Connecticut, uh, teaching high school English and uh, got a chance to connect with a, a traveling ministry uh, called Master's Commission. And just, again, like just broke me. Like just, I remember so vividly those times of like really knowing what really mattered. Um, and then, you know, really the, the goal, or I think part of the journey part was just trying to do more of those more frequently <laughs> or, or being aware of them more frequently uh, to have that not be so um, occasional, uh, you know, standalone and maybe string, let's string together a couple of these. Um, and that really started to help me kind of on that path, which culminates with meeting my wife and, uh, you know, started to get, get real about building a life instead of just floating around, uh, yeah. which I was, was pretty much drifting for a while there. Yeah. It's an interesting time. I think, especially for young men, um, trying to figure out who you are is what I'm, I'm hearing you say, mm -hmm. right. A little bit. How do you, how do you, cause there is an impulse to, um, separate from your family a little yep. bit, right? I did that and, great. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I was good there. Have some distinctions, but then also, what does that mean for who you are and for your identity? And so then you have to kind of find that in Christ at some, mm -hmm. at some point as well. So tell me, you know, it sounds like you're meeting your wife was kind of a, you said it was a culmination. So tell me that story, like what happened and how did that help shape you? Yeah, I think it was because I, I'll say probably a lot of my, my thought about what really mattered or I'll say potentially even something like, I'll call it self-worth, wasn't, they were really kind of external, like, you know, outcome-based or, you know, mm -hmm. measurable. And I just, I remember like, so to that end, I'll say pretty consistently, I would have uh, dating relationships that did not last very long. Um, and again, hundred percent my fault, like same cycle, you know, almost could predict it. Mm -hmm. And then when I ended up meeting my wife, I, it was one of the clearest, I don't know if it was like from God audible, not audible, but like an impression that said, this is your last shot. <laughs> it's like, I better get my rear in gear. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, and, uh, what it, how old were not, you? 
I was 27. Okay. Uh, so a few years out of college, a few years a out of college, bit. still, still adrift, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm teaching school, I'm coaching sports, um, you know, not that going to church matters in, you know, it's not the, it, it's not the indicator of faith, but it is, you know, I'm kind of doing, you know, some of the right things, but there's still no, there's no internal direction or connection. And, and so not to pump up Marita too much, but it was like almost, I, I didn't see enough of myself as worth like figuring mm-hmm. things out. But in her, I was like, wait a second, like, this is somebody who she doesn't take any crap, which is awesome. Uh, you know, she's, she's got her own. <laughs> it things. sounds awesome. <laughs> it is. It is like, I needed somebody to not take whatever line of nonsense that was currently spouting and be like, Hey, are you going to be about what you're about? And, um, and that was just a, that was, that was huge. It was, it was a, um, I don't know. It was, it was almost kind of like a steadying influence, even though I wouldn't have thought I needed it. And I certainly, it wasn't conscious. Um, mm-hmm. but it, then it was somebody that I could journey with. And, um, uh, and that was something that, that was really important because I was, I was very isolated you know, just because every, everything was very superficial. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that helped me to, you know, work, work through a lot of stuff and, 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 you know, she and I, um, particularly the first two years, two and a half years, uh, we had to work through a lot of stuff that neither of us really saw coming <laughs> just in being united and, and, you know, and, 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 being able to get real about stuff that we hadn't had to before as single people. Um, and a lot, you know, a lot of that helped me to, to say like, I want to, I want to build a faith as a foundation, um, mm-hmm. which means it's, it's got to have to be more real and, and deeper than it is. And so that was, yeah. that's why that was another step. So you started building your faith more because of the challenges you were overcoming because, and, and yes. And because Marita, with her, it was like, this is like being with her is actually worth overcoming those challenges, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in her, I got to, I got to see, because I didn't see that in myself is myself being worth enough to be better. Um, but that was, you know, I, that was the, I'm going to do this because I want to be with her and that's, that's worth it. And so it's, so it was a weird, I don't know. It was like a, a weird byproduct of a, funky self-image <laughs> that, yeah. that allowed, um, that allowed me to, to really kind of dig in and, and get real about what I believed in and how that lined up with how I showed up every day. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, because I think I hear a lot of identity pieces in that too, right? A lot of, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it is, is certainly true that our relationships define who we are, right? What's that quote? You probably know the quote of yeah, the top of your head. Average of the top, the, the five people who spend the most time with. That's right. Right. That, that uh, will shape you for sure. Okay. Uh, so was it just like, like early marriage stuff, just figuring out how to live with somebody who's not your, or a little bit. She and I fought what, very what differently. Gonna... So she wouldn't fight fair, which means she would just climb up for two days. Okay. And I'm, I'm Irish. And so I want to talk it out <laughs> at, at various volumes. <laughs> Uh-huh. So and she's Swedish and she just wants to shut down. It's like okay, sweet. Uh, but just owning, like owning stuff. Like we talk about stuff and stuff would come up and and you know and it'd be you know something from my past and I'm like, you know, I wouldn't, I would, I would, I had become comfortable with it. She's like, that's not right. Like that's not. And I'm like, oh okay, like let's, there's another perspective now. Um, so it was a lot of the internal stuff and, um, you know, she brought her own baggage too. And, you know, but that, that was a lot of that working out, um, that really, I think it really helped us. And then, and it got us on the same page faith wise, not, you know, we're still very different. Um, but then that kind of kept us on a faith journey that has 
really grown, I'll say like in the last probably two or three years. Um, but even earlier than that, just this, this discovery of the third person of the Trinity, we're like, I mean, I've heard about him. <laughs> neither of us have faith backgrounds that include the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we got to guide that together. Like that was kind of cool because we found that together because we decided that faith was going to be something that we, that was big in our, in our marriage. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I mean, definitely without that, we, one of us probably would have walked early if we, you know, um, if we hadn't either, you know, invited God into our marriage in terms of like getting married and, and having a, you know, the, the, the faith part of that. Um, so it, it really kind of, it, it appropriately hemmed us in yeah. <laughs> to, to get to sit in, in, in it and be like, okay, we got to sort this out. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, all right. So you're growing there. What, were there any other, um, like so after maybe after those few years moments where you felt like you were, I always call it learning the way of Jesus, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're learning a little, a little more, maybe you, you know, there's a mentor or a book or a a passage or something that like a moment, like that really sort of defines that season of growth for you. Yeah. uh, Well, I'll, I'll, I'll probably say two I alluded to before about just hearing about the Holy Spirit like existing sure. at all. <laughs> well, t- so tell me how that came about because yeah, nobody just goes, uh, oh, look, the Holy Spirit. So yeah, it was, so I read Francis Chan's Forgotten God. So I got the mm. cranial part of it, which is fine. And then I uh, was introduced to, he was at a local church, this hair on fire evangelist who's younger than you and I are from Pittsburgh. His name is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And I'm not saying everything he says is right on, but it was enough on the other ditch. And I was like, this is different. <laughs> and I'm interested in different, right? Because I had, especially when you grow up in the church, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, I got, I got the constructs, right? But there was another yeah. facet that I got to see that was, uh, and I, I think a part of it was just the, like the full throttle element of it but anyway he was kind of our learning about um about the holy spirit and see like yeah. seeing different you know different just just stuff that we never experienced growing up or heard about growing up so i i think kind of depending we're, we're we're very squarely now back on the road like one ditch other ditch we've been it's been given us a, a opportunity oh, wait okay so yes. tell, tell me about the other ditch. Okay. So the, other, the, the first ditch we were in, which was just basically like, yes, there's grace, but there's only grace because there's works. Like there's a, like, it just felt, especially again, when your dad's a pastor, like, yeah, like there's a lot of performance, like, and, yep. and it's not like that, that would not have been, this is, this is why it's just, it just gets muddy when your dad's a pastor and there's punishment and there's, you know, like he, he was not heavy handed with it, but it was just because of who he was. Uh, so there's a, a list of don'ts, which was very clear. And um, I remember reading a long time ago, it's at the end of the book stuff Christians like by John Acuff, which is a hilarious book, by the way. <laughs> yes. He was, he talked, <laughs> he talks about at the end, he just throws in a couple essays, but he talks about sometimes like, why don't we do a better job of talking about the do's or the get to's of Christianity? Right. So anyway, it felt like very restrictive yep. and then swinging to the other ditch of like, I'll probably just call it like a prosperity gospel, like, but finding out that the Holy spirit exists. I was like, okay, I'll, I'm not gonna throw mm-hmm. a baby out here. I got that part. And then kind of being able to, we, so we changed churches because we were very much in a cessationist church and I scripturally didn't see evidence for it. I know there are, and it's totally fine. Right. No, there's not. That's not in the Bible. Okay. It's okay. I'm anyway, fr- friends. I'm hedging you, for your listeners. You're, you're, you're welcome to hedge. I'm not going <laughs> to let them get away with it. No. All right. The Holy spirit exists, never stops interacting with us. Okay. I'm with you. Not in scripture. As far as I'm concerned. So it's okay to, it's okay to say that 
uh, we've just it's, moved it's two thirds, two thirds of the way there with Eric Evans. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, oh, so. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but it, this is one of we've my not. hobby horses because I do not. It just makes me crazy that we that we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We don't. So I was some of that is on, is on my journey as well. Going, what the what is going on? What what do you yes. mean? Uh, so where is the Holy Spirit? So yes. Okay, so you go swing to the to the other side. Okay, which can be very uh, name it, claim it, you know, hyper emotional. Do, do the thing. Yep. Um, okay, and then you're like maybe gonna move a little more toward the center. Right, and so one thing I really love about, like for for instance, this guy Jonathan Shuttlesworth is he, his job is very much what I call like pastoral grandparenting, which is you give the kids a ton mm. of sugar and then you get to roll out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I respected it for what it was. And it's like, it's fun. Like, okay, this is cool. You know, I like going to live football games and concerts. And that was, there's an element of that where like it, it, it wakes up another part of us. Like I'm a, I'm a really big believer in the four elements of who we are, like our body, our mind, our heart. And then I'm going to call it soul. I know there's some theological thing. You have a soul, you are a soul, you have a spirit, you are a spirit, somewhere in there, one of those S words. And so there's parts of us that like, I want the heart to get awakened a little bit. You know, I want to get, you know, Mm -hmm. get that stirred up part. Um, But then when I, so we moved churches, we were at a Baptist church and we talked to pastor and like, he's like, yep, we don't believe that. I was like, okay, (laughs) we're going to go. We were kind of looking to go anyway. Like it just kind of confirmed it. Yeah. And, uh, so for us, the fun part was finding a church that preached and believed in the Holy Spirit, but there was a really good balance of all three persons. And so we got to actually start to walk in that a little bit. And that that was a good antidote for, because um, the emotion dies down and you're like, okay, well, how do I live this? And, they, and so we got, to, we, got to, we got to do that. And that's where we were attending before we moved. So yeah. it was good to, to dig into a community of people who believed that and we could see it in their lives. And what good. does that mean? A good balance of the three persons of the Trinity. Tell, tell me what that means. Yeah. So there's, it's funny. I'm, I'm wrestling with this right now a little bit. Um, That's okay. In, yeah. We're only halfway there. It's fine. Be, we're back to a halfway. Dang it. I thought we'd made some progress. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of, I don't know. I, I'm when I'm, where I am right now. This, this is going to be another one of my defining moments in a minute. Okay. Is is bringing God as the Father back into the picture a little bit more? I think the churches I've experienced. I'll, I won't say the American church writ large, but um, the churches I've, I've experienced are really, really good at worshiping Jesus, and then the, the additional Holy Spirit's been really awesome. And there's just a part I, I wrestle with missing is God as father um, and how that affects, I don't know, our identities and, and our place in the world and all that. But anyway, the, these, this church that I was part of and the church I'm going to now seem to have a, a good kind of interweaving of where that relationship can be. And it's not all one of the three, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm hearing something maybe that you're not saying just yet. And so maybe this is your net, the next experience, but that there's something that we miss if we don't take seriously, certainly all three, but particularly the father. Yeah. And so this is where, this is, so the, the, one of the other defining moments is the first time I became a dad. And I remember vividly, I'm standing in the threshold of my living room doorway, holding my son. And I think that this actually began a lot of healing as well, right? Going back to my relationship with my dad, but I, I'm holding this, my, my oldest, his name's Cole. I'm holding him. I think if I, if my dad loves me half as much as I love this kid, I have undersold him. <laughs> and, and I had, and, you know, and so like we, we start, you know, I shared that with him a, a while later. We got to got to kind of hear this, like how does love diffuse through dysfunction show up, you know, and that's okay. Right. But there's something I think about 
a, a move in our culture to hyper-focus on Jesus as the healer, the acceptor of the outcasts, the, you know, um, as the, the Christian brother, and it allows us a pass at the God of the Old Testament uh, and and the father the, the the father parts of Jesus's ministry. Uh, I I think we choose to do that because I, I, John Bevere, uh, who has written a ton of books, and uh, one of my favorites is called Extraordinary. And but he asks in one of his books, uh, do you believe what you read or do you read what you believe? Like, are, are you looking for passages to, that'll reinforce? Mm-hmm. Of course, the answer is yes. I mean, come on. Uh, but but right. um, I, I just think there's something about like, I, one of the books I want to write is a, is a, is how the 10 commandments are a love letter from God to us. Just because he's looking out for us. Like, I'm not trying to control you. Do you see what happens when you don't do these 10 things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just think it's kind of like what I think our country needs right now. Like our country needs somebody who is a tough leader, who's kind of like a dad, but we would never elect our dad to be, <laughs> to be dads. It's like Calvin and Hobbes. If you remember those comic strips, Calvin right. comes in, he's like, your ratings aren't looking very good and coming up against the next election. We won't, we won't elect our dad. We won't elect God because that doesn't give us as much license to do whatever the heck we want. And so I'd like, for me, I think that elevation or that re reestablishment uh, of that importance of God as a father helps us see things more clearly, largely ourselves. Yeah. Okay. So one thing we have to talk about is um, you mentioned in you know, like in the old Testament and we get this idea. I, I think a lot of us go, okay, the Old Testament, because because obviously Jesus, you can argue whether he shows up or not, but not named right for at a minimum. And so you've got you've got the Father doing all these things, some of which seem rather mm-hmm. not good, barbaric, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's the impression that we get of God. But if you look, if you're reading for God's goodness. Even in his punishments, so God, so you can start in Genesis three. He sends them out, but it's for their own good, right? Of the of the garden, so they won't eat the tree of life and live in this way forever, right? Or, um, you know, there's all there's all these other, all these other. Every single time, there's some other grace to even his even his punishment and the promise. Starting in Genesis twelve, I think. Uh, is I will be their God, they mm. will be my people. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that he's trying to work out. And then that's recalled in in Revelation 20 um, as well. So like having, getting that kind of a perspective, right, of who God is as mm-hmm. a father. Yes, maybe there's there's rules, right? Or there's there's things we need to, we need to take into account, but there's also this tremendous, desire to be with us mm-hmm. tremendous desire mm-hmm. to be near that's a whole different a whole different perspective it is and it's i think this is why one of the reasons that this is a a, a part of my faith journey is because i got to figure out how differently i think about other people's kids <laughs> compared to my kids, (laughs) right? So if you get to be one of God's kids, you know, he's in it. Like you you may not, like things may not be going so hot, but it's, if, if you're part of his people and you're, he's your God and he's like, he's going to keep walking along. He's going to keep, he's going to keep pressing in or come back or whatever, the question I often have is not like some people ask about this sometimes like, is like, where's God or how has God been faithful? And I'm like, I don't think we need to worry about God's faithfulness here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got some problems. Like right. I, once I figured out my faithfulness, then I can ask about God's faithfulness. But I think that, so, you know, if I can, if I'm angry at my kids, 
I, you know, it's easy. Somebody else's kids, I'm, I could be really dismissive. Like, all right, good luck. See you later. <laughs> right. But <clears throat> because it's my kids, I'm pressing in. I'm like, I've gone, I'm going to get mad because I didn't, you know, literally, I didn't raise you like that. Like I have a theory of <laughs> an original sin that anybody who doesn't believe in original sin doesn't have kids. <laughs> like, have you hung out with, like, I didn't teach you that. Like where right. in the world did that come from? Why are and you I so just, devious? Did you stop it? That's, that's right. Is that from your mom? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, but, but I just, I, I, that's where I think we miss we miss that part of, um, and, and this is particularly interesting to me now, right? I'm doing a, a book study with some guys in my church on the intentional father by John Tyson, which is a great book. And we're talking about this idea of is the, is the attack on fatherhood in our culture, actually the devil's attack on God's father ship hood, mm. whatever, <clears throat> because, one of our first glimpses of God is in our dads. And so if you have an absentee father, your first picture of God is as an absentee dead God. And if you have an authoritarian, mm. you know, father, your first picture of God is as an authoritarian God. And so that's, that's our, that's our baby lens, right? We're going through, like, we're looking for, him. Um, if, if he put eternity in our hearts, we're looking for where he shows up where as soon as possible. So anyway, I don't know where the question was, but yeah. no, <laughs> this, good. this dad stuff's really important. <laughs> it, it is. It is pretty important. So, so holding your son yeah, was one of those moments that sort of brought that. And that's, yep. I mean, yeah, you have, have a kid, like uh, everything changes in that one moment, right? It's crazy. Like, that one breath. Yep. It's like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I often, I'm sure your wife and you have this conversation from time to like, what did we do before we had kids? Like, did, did we just watch more movies? Like I, what, <laughs> the answer is whatever did, you want. And yes, yes true. <laughs> like how did we spend our time? So I did see probably more violent films uh, than I yeah. have in the last 12 years because now I'm like, man, do I know most of the songs from Encanto? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know my kids okay. keep playing it over and over again, but they they like it. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. So oftentimes, um, you know, we have to go through the desert, the dark night of the soul, and that has a certain effect on, on our identity, like we sort of opened up earlier. So have you had a season like that? You can call it whatever you want, the wall, dark night of the soul, yeah. spiritual desert. Uh, God's people have called lots of things over the years, but have you had a season like that? And then, and what was that? What was that like? I mean, I'll probably go back to that decade from 17 to 27, uh, where it was, I got a lot of pictures of what it was like to have God remain stationary and me walk away. Like it was not, mm. I I've not had, <clears throat> I've not felt a, a silence from God um, much in my life. And I think that's just largely because most of that has been me not, as I said before, like me not being faithful, me not being um, engaged. Um, and so that was, that part for me was very much self-inflicted. And so that's not, it's certainly not the same thing for people who have experienced a, a real, you know, yearning for an earnest pursuit of God and have not felt like they were, uh, they're being heard. Um, you know, unfortunately mine was just purely self-manufactured <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and has, has been that way. And so I, one thing I, I do, I think of as a challenge in that question is, I bet you I would if I if I were more persistent and more consistent in seeking him. You know, mm. and that's like but for me, I'm like, man, if I haven't experienced that, maybe I I remember um DA Carson wrote a book called How Long O Lord. And yeah. at the beginning of it, a line that freaked me out, he said, You better have a theology on suffering because you're gonna. 
And I was like, right. oh crap. <laughs> I, most of my stuff has been self-inflicted. Like, man, I don't, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's a little bit of a, uh, maybe a, a challenge to myself of, um, of, of seeking more um, and more deeply so that I'll have, you know, have, have something that, that maybe feels like that. Um, yeah. Not because I need the badge, but just because I've heard they describe so often. Yeah. Well, so I think, and, and that's totally okay if it's not something uh, that you've experienced now, but or recently or whenever, but um, it is, it is, it is common even, um, you know, in, in the spiritual journey and God uses that to do, to do certain things. So, mm-hmm. um, which is always, always interesting and, and sometimes profound. So yeah, if you parallel so I, I like to the ask wilderness experience mm-hmm. of the Israelites and then Jesus's 40 days in the desert, there's a really cool parallels there about just preparation for, right. Is the wilderness, is the wilderness actually a preparation time and, and all of that, you know, that sort of thing. But I just, I summarize it all in this footsteps poem. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, I think it's really about um, identity, right? And so what mm. you see is that Jesus, particularly was to take him, he comes out of the desert um, having been tempted very clear in who he is, right? And mm-hmm. at the end, what is, what is, what happens? This is my son. And who That's I believe, it. Right. Yep. So and what uh, do the he, Israelites have to strip away? In the desert, yeah. too. Yeah, they had to. They had to be courageous and take the thing that God has given to them, right? So, yeah. Um, interesting. I think that's. I think that's a really important uh, point about the the spiritual desert. So, friends, if you're if you're mm-hmm. there or you have been there, you'll you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but it's as a common common experience. All right. So, I want to hear about your move from Pennsylvania to to Denver. And because I'm guessing that was a leap of faith a little bit. It's a, a leap of Great. faith and maybe 2,000 miles or so. It was, yeah. 1,500. It was somewhere between there. Yeah. <laughs> it's about as far as we're going to go west, we think, for the moment. Yeah. But we also didn't think know. we were going to move. This is this is a really cool story because of how it came together. We knew it was from God. And, um, and, and largely, so you know me well enough to know that I have a crazy idea a week. And my, my wife has one like a decade. Um, and so I got a text from her one, one day at work and she, she wrote to me and said, I have a strong impression. We're supposed to move to Colorado. <laughs> and we still have this text chain saved. We're like, this is such an interesting, so yeah. funny side note, uh, it falls under the category, something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday was I had just paved a third of a basketball court into our backyard the day before. <laughs> so yeah, I like thought, you, well, Lord. Maybe. Before we spent that money. <laughs> that's 4800 bucks I'm not getting back. <laughs> I really hope it ups the resale value. <laughs> you don't have to see that on realtors' tips and tricks on how to get more value out nope. of the property. <laughs> so anyway. That's really fun. So I'm like, okay. So I wrote back to her and I said, if something to the effect of, let's put a sign in the yard and see what happens. So she's driving to church and gets hit like a ton of bricks. Not a, you should, like, you have to. Hmm. Like you, it is an imperative. And she's, she's driving to Bible study on a Tuesday morning, right? She's like, what in the world is happening? Like, I've not, this is not again, like something for her, you know, think about like, the Holy Spirit communicating with us, impressing upon us, whatever. This is not something that she's necessarily looking for. And uh, that that part in particular. So I always joke, like if I had come home and said, hey, we should move to Colorado, we would still be in Pennsylvania. Because right. my wife would have nothing to do with it. But she that, that was such a strong impression for her and an urgency to it. So we, this is, this is November of 2019, um, every January we do a 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. fast uh, for the first 21 days of January. Uh, not because that's biblical, but just because it's just a practice. So yeah. we try to pick something. We pray about it. We're praying about it. Um, we uh, started talking about booking booking a, a a trip out to Colorado. My mom and my sister already lived out here. 
um, which made it even more interesting because that was my wife's call. Uh, mm. And, but then uh, everything started going crazy with COVID uh, in March. And we kind of forgot about it, frankly. Like we were just, it's easy to get distracted when all of a sudden you're homeschooling <laughs> a fourth, second in pre-K or, or you know, they, the kids were young and we were trying to do homeschool via Zoom and all this stuff. Um, but we, we then um, booked a trip in July. We did 10 days uh, to make sure it was not indigestion, but actually from God that we should be out, <laughs> out here. Yeah. <clears throat> and we got back July 21st. And uh, I remember uh, that night we're back from the airport and the older three kids were up. And we said, look, we're going to move to Colorado. And we're telling you this now because we have zero idea how this is going to happen. And so it was July 21st. And then we moved into our house October 2nd. And it was just a whirlwind. Like there were probably, we've written them out and we, we haven't storyboarded them or scrapbooked them as much as I'd like to, but we, we want to have that as a, this is what faith looks like. And then, so mm. we had probably 22 little mini miracles that happened that go from, you know, a, you know, like just financially, like we sold our house uh, and bought a house for a lot more. If you're familiar with the Denver housing market yes. <laughs> and I took about a 40% pay cut to continue my work as a, as a school counselor at the time. Um, and there was no way on paper this made sense, right? The whole, like it was just the whole thing, but we knew I don't know, this may be a very simple and potentially, I don't know, non-biblical theology, but we like, well, God, this is your idea. It's not really on us to figure out how to make it happen. We're just, you know, we're just going to go. And so uh, I, I joke with my wife, you know, I'd always heard of people like us, but I'd never been us before. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the playbook is on this. That's fantastic. But I remember driving across the country. It, it was just one of those times. And I, I said, I have for 42 and a half years had faith, but not lived on faith. And I actually really enjoy having zero idea what's happening next. And my prayer was, I don't want to get out to Colorado, get a job, get a house, find a church and settle back into the same rut that I didn't even know I was in. Mm -hmm. And so the move, and I'll tell you what, like the urgency part, we look back now, like actually our, our church basically ended up imploding. Mm -hmm. um, and our entire small, we had an amazing small group out there. Like we saw them all the time. We actually did life with them and we just connected with them. And they're like, all of them have left the church. Like all, like, so much of this stuff has, I'm like, man, did, I don't know. I know we're going towards something better because where we've landed has been amazing, but I got, I don't know if we were also being protected <laughs> from something that wasn't so great uh, yeah. looking back, but that move cut tethers that uh, I don't think I, I realized um, I had uh, internally about ideas about, you know, standards of living and provision and, you know, self-sufficiency and all this other stuff. And, um, uh, it it's continued since, which has been, which has been really cool. Um, leaving, I, I left my job that I had for like seven months so I could get a mortgage. Uh, I left my job a few months later and it just kind of all that stuff that's, that's followed. There, I, there's no way that happens if we're still living in Pennsylvania. Right. Right. And so you started your own, uh, your own business now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing consulting, uh, and coaching, uh, and, uh, as I said, still doing some, some of the stuff in, in college planning and college funding, uh, because, uh, the need is, is great. And I have a ton of experience in it. And then, um, there's a couple projects coming down the, uh, the pike that are just fun. And, and so two things that came out of that one is I realized, because of our move and thinking about how God moves, that provision is in fact the easiest thing for God to take care of. If you read George Mueller's autobiography sometime, mm -hmm. so good. But it's the thing we spend about 85% of our time thinking about, which is not quite as good. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, you kind of want to have the mind of Christ, but 
<laughs> then you're worried about how to get the bills paid. And like, that didn't, that doesn't dominate the new Testament. If I remember correctly, uh, you just need to go fishing more often. Uh, and then the other part of it was, uh, was just thinking about now, like, how can I, in my, in my previous employment, which is not to say that employment is bad per se, but in my previous employment, I was not as available. I was not as nimble for whatever God wanted to throw my way. And so now that that's, I think I'm chasing availability um, more than I have in the past. Yeah. And um, just that something as concrete as a, as a schedule uh, makes a big difference. Man, it's a huge thing to be choosing your own schedule too, mm-hmm. right? It is. And determining uh, you know, when and really how often you'll work and what you're, what you're going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, there is that, I mean, literally a Protestant work ethic, right? I mean, there, there is, there is that um, very much of a, it has to be hard you like in order to be worthwhile and all those things that I, that I still butt up against, but there's also an idea of getting really aligned with the ways that God has gifted you and just doing more of that. And then yes, it's hard, but you also really enjoy it. Like playing sports is hard, but kids do it all the time and they have a ton of fun at it. (laughs) Right. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be something where it's it's so out of character and and our skill set, you know, increasing the de- degree of difficulty for its own sake doesn't glorify God at all. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I want to. I be, would be remiss if I didn't ask, ask about your podcast since we're yeah. you know podcasting right now. So tell me tell me about your show. Yeah, and kind of what you're uh, what you're looking to do there. Yeah, it's it's. <sighs> it's a ton of fun. It's called made to thrive and it's, it's born out of um, an experience. My wife and I had pretty early, maybe like five years into marriage. And we reached what we called good enough much sooner than we thought we would. (laughs) We had a house, good job, first kid. And my wife came to me one day. She said, she's like, I don't mean anything by this. Like, is this as good as it gets? And it's just because like, it happened. We thought it'd be harder. Like we thought it would take longer. And, and in that, I inherently could fast forward the next four decades of my life and pretty well predict what was going to happen. And that for me is not super inspiring. <laughs> right. and, and so we just started kicking around, like, what are the ways that God calls us to thrive? Like, what are the different areas? And so after a long time of beating that around and, and, and thinking about it, I, I started made to thrive podcast and started interviewing people, mainly guys. Um, and now we're kind of shifting even more into dads, but who are thriving in one of the seven core areas that I, from my ivory tower, have <laughs> deemed as yeah. important, but there's a reason for it. So I'll, I'll explain the metaphor a little bit. So, uh, so the seven core areas show up if you use the metaphor of a tree. So faith and identity are our roots. And they, and I, every time I talk about them, I'm like, oh no, it's identity. No, no faith is most important. Anyway, there's a really good balance between the two. And then uh, our mission um, and and Tim Winters, uh, when he and I talked about, he talked about assignment, which I thought was really good too, but Mm -hmm. our mission is the trunk. It's kind of how it's, it's kind of how our faith and identity can show up uh, above the surface and the different ways our mission shows up. Uh, can be in the other four areas, which is our career, our relationships, our health, and our finances. And so looking to be better in those areas, um, I've just been interviewing people in those seven areas for the last year or so and learning a ton and meeting a ton of people. It's It's been really, really fun because it, it scratches a couple of different issues. One of them is we're not meant to be alone. So let's talk about that. And not one of us individually has all the answers. So, you know, where you might, you may be thriving in a particular area. I might not be, and I can learn something from you and, and vice versa. And that's what the body is supposed to look like. Right. Right. Um, so that's just been a blast. Yeah. Which see, I think that point there is really important because 
<sighs> I'm just not convinced we should put all of our teaching, all of our discipleship in the hands of one mm. person, right? Like it's really, yeah, the, yes. the body should be everyone serving according to their giftings, um, which is what I hear you talking about. And then that also adds the opportunity to learn from, you know, a lot of, and be served by, you know, a lot of other people yes. while still serving in your, in your giftings at the same time um, as well. And I think that's super important. Okay. Yeah. So one of the key things that, um, you know, that you talk about within that is career, right? Because as guys, we care about our careers. Like that's, that's how we're taught to define ourselves, who we are, particularly. It's the first question almost everybody asks, particularly in America, right? Yes. This is just how we are. So why is that important? And then, and what are you, how are you prepared to like, you know, help, help us kind of get that in perspective? Yeah. I, and it's, it's interesting too, because as I noted about, um, about kind of focusing more on dads, that's, that's largely looking for my, my biggest challenge I think as a dad is, is prolonging credibility with my kids. (laughs) And that's done two ways. One is, is by continuing to live out a credible existence, sorry, uh, example. And then the other one is by being able to have fulfillment outside of my kids, right? Because too often we see this funky codependency that, that comes about where, and, and which leads to couples getting divorced after their last kid leaves home, you know, they, they build their life around their kids. But frankly, I mean, I see it all the time. I saw it, especially as a high school counselor, like the kids who just had zero regard for their parents because they knew their parents were blowing smoke. They're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, you're, you know, you're not telling me to do anything that you're actually doing. And I just, there's so much that hinges on career, I think for, you know, dads who hate their careers and then they, you know, and then they're like, yeah, well, you should try harder in school. Like, well, how'd that help you? <laughs> that's like, right. That's not, you're not doing anybody any favors the way you're living, you know? Um, and so there's just a lot of complication around that. So for me, it's a search for career satisfaction and fulfillment in career. I think that's totally true. And I can speak to that from experience where I, you know, I was working in the financial world and I hated it. I did not like it. And you know what? The the moment I quit and then, the, you know, after I got out and, you know, week, two weeks, three weeks later, my wife says, you're a totally different person. It's right. We do not understand how much our jobs change us. Right. And even just that tension of having to go, you know, the finance, for me, it was the financial industry. And it was like these people, like in order to keep them honest, you have to give them this huge bar exam quality test, right? What is that? What is, that's not the kind of industry I'm made to be in. It's just not. So maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't be here. I just didn't, didn't enjoy it. Um, and that, that affected me. Right. And that, that I brought that home with me. So getting, getting your career right or figuring that out is, is valuable. It, it's huge. And, and, so what, I, what I've thought about and how I thought about it is I, I really just took some time and observed people who hated their jobs and mm. realized there's got, I think of a job as what you do every day and what you get paid. It's kind of, those are the two levers of job satisfaction, but right. why are people who sit next to each other at work who do the same thing and get paid the same amount so wildly different in their level of satisfaction. And that has, that really got me going on what I call the the career factors, the career key may be copyrighted. So I'm like, I'm shaping, Uh. I'm shaping what I'm calling it. But in effect, the, the premise is I'm, I may be looking for something in this job different than what I think I'm looking for. Uh, I, I may actually be asking something, something of this job that I haven't really named it, but on my fourth mm. or fifth job, like my aforementioned relationships, maybe the problem's me and, yep. and not the job. <laughs> maybe that goes with me. Okay. So you, you have some career keys that if friends, if you want to pick up and check out, you can get that's at mediathrive.coach slash career keys. Yep. Is that right? Yep. yep. And then it, it's going to teach you the, the other five 
things you might be asking for from your job. Um, there you go. So that you can say, oh, wait, I am looking for X, whatever. Yeah. Now I know why I'm not happy about it. And maybe I can actually find what I'm looking for there. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Sam, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gone a little long here, but I appreciate you spending a little bit of time with me and sharing it again, friends, you can find Sam at made to thrive.coach. Uh, and then if you just do slash career keys, you can get that, uh, that download. Sam, uh, is there anything you want to leave us with? This idea of that we're, we are meant to thrive is not like a weight we carry, but it's something that's actually really, really exciting because we're stepping into a, a closer experience of and with God. And so just, to, just as a sense of uh, connecting with a God who is excited about hanging out with us that is like step one of thriving. And that's, that's the thing that I hope we don't overstep as we look to some sort of something tangible as an outcome and just being able to get excited about a God who gives a rip enough about us <laughs> that, he, that he wants, that he wants the best for us. Yeah. Well, right. Totally. Let's don't, let's don't miss it, but then let's build from there. Right. Cause there is right. such, so much more exciting things that, that, uh, yes. he has in store. I love it. Sam, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, definitely appreciate it guys again made to thrive.coach uh, thanks a lot Sam for being here you guys take care